0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. The Bible says in Psalms 118 verse 22 and 23, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Many years ago, my older brother Dwayne attended Harvard Law School, and after he completed his degree, he began to practice law in Boston. He bought a house in an area called Somerville, and my twin brother and I, at one point, we got the opportunity to visit him. We packed our bags, and my dad drove us to 30th Street train station to make this trip to Boston. It was the first real train ride that I can remember. We were both excited and nervous to be traveling alone for the first time. I remember walking into this huge train station. I saw the, the, the destination board right there in the middle with the flipping signs. Countless cities, countless destinations. It was huge, it was, the place was larger than life. People were sitting with their baggage all over the place. And there were signs with numbers next to the tracks indicating where the train would arrive and which number the train would come to so that you knew where to go. There were stores and restaurants and gift shops and cafes. So, for two adolescent boys wandering around this giant train station, excited about this new experience, ready for adventure, we could barely contain ourselves. My dad made sure that he knew that we knew which track to get on. And also that we knew which time we had to be there in order to catch this train. Then he left us there with the responsibility to get on the train and get to our destination. For the next, could have been moments, could have been hours, we just walked around, we shopped, we ate, we listened to music, all while paying close attention to the clock to make sure that we got on the train in time to leave. I remember thinking about how long and wondering about how long other people had been waiting there. I saw some people coming straight through the doors and and rushing to the train, but others were sleeping. Others were there for some time. Could have been hours. I'm sure they weren't there for days, but I, I thought about that. But as exciting as this place was, as beautiful as it was, as much of an experience as it was, I realized that no one who was there had come to stay at the train station. They got to be there for a moment, but then they moved on. They got to see the architecture, but they moved on. They came to this place only in order to get to the next destination. The title of my message today is Rejection Station. Rejection Station. This is a word that's been moving in my heart for months now, because if you live long enough and it really doesn't even have to be that long, you're going to deal with rejection. Rejection is a normal part of life. The first time I remember, in fact, feeling rejection, let me think, I was uh, in the second or third grade, I was trying to remember what it was over the week, but I I think it might have been the, the third grade. And there was this little girl who I had a huge crush on. I mean, she was pretty. She was light-skinned. To me, she was just the prettiest thing in the, in the whole school. I was head over heels for her. So I decided to, to shoot my shot, right? And if, if, I won't call you old heads, but if those of you don't know what that means, then ask your grandkids. Basically, I decided to, to let her know how I felt. I wanted to let her know that I liked her. I don't know if I was a smooth talker back then. I don't think I had a a pickup line like, hey, girl, you must be a track star because you've been running through my mind all day. It, It wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't smooth like that. But I probably just, you know, Draw, drew, I think I drew a heart on a piece of paper and put my name and her name, and I gave it to her. And I can't, I can't remember exactly what planned out tactic that I used, but I absolutely remember her response. Four words, no, you're too dark. I mean, I knew I was chocolate. But I didn't know at that time that I was too dark for, for love. And so I, I was crushed. Um, I like to think that I held back my tears until I got home. I may have, maybe not. I think that I did. But what I do know is that when I got home, I must have been crying because my sister, and every time I've told this story over the years, I, I, I said it was my sister who confronted me and asked me what was wrong. But based on the response, I, I actually think it might have been my older brother, Aubrey. I, he said, what's wrong? And I, I told him, I said, I like this girl, and she rejected me and she told me I was too dark. And he said, well, Tomorrow, go back to school and say these words. So the next day, I, you know, I got myself together with all the strength that I had inside of me and all the confidence that I could muster, and I walked right up to her. And I think, I I felt like everybody was waiting for my response. I think I was shocked the the first day and and didn't respond. I'm not going to say I ran away crying. I will not say that. But the next day when I came back, People were waiting for my response, and I walked right up to her, and she was waiting and the kids around me were waiting, and I said, the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. I thought it was a great response. And this little girl immediately burst into tears. And I found myself sitting in the principal's office. And I say all that to say that I remember that first experience of rejection. I can run it right back like I was there. All of our rejection experiences start early. Some we don't even remember. And they continue for the rest of our lives. Knowing this, we have to learn how to deal with rejection properly so that we don't end up making a home at what I like to call, Rejection Station. See, so often in life we we don't know how to deal with rejection, so we stay at the place of rejection. It becomes our home. We go out, like we leave our homes in the morning, but then we come back. We always come back to that place of rejection. It becomes our uncomfortable comfort zone. I use the term rejection station because I want to give it the proper context for what it is. We have to understand its purpose. We don't live there. We don't stay there, but its purpose is not only, is is, is only to take us to another destination, but also to enable us to become something greater when we get to that next destination. It's not a home. Sometimes we, we, we think rejection is where we have to be. We think we don't have to move on. But if you think of rejection as a station, and you put it in its context, then you know that it's just the place that takes you to the next place. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. It was the stone that the builders rejected. It's one thing to be rejected by a stranger. It's one thing to walk up to a a woman on the street and and try and get her number and, and get rejected. But it's a whole other thing to be rejected by the builder. The builders represent the ones for whom you gain identity. I can imagine going to Rejection Station and and, and seeing David. David was anointed to be king, but Saul was the king. David was a loyal subject of Saul, a general in his army, fighting battles for Saul, winning wars for Saul. Putting his life in harm's way for Saul. He was Saul's uh, uh, personal musician. I would love to have Tim following me around all day with a, a, a keyboard around his, his neck. Having a, my, my personal soundtrack when I want uh, you know, uh, g- give me something uplifting. I feel a little down right now. Okay, I want to I work out. Give me something upbeat. You know, it's, 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 it's time for, for, for me and the wife to, 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 to come together. You know, stand outside the room and play something smooth. It'd be nice to have, but this is what David was for Saul. Understand that. And with all of this, because of jealousy, Saul rejected David, the person for whom he was gaining identity. He was rejected by a builder. David experienced the pain of rejection. The first track, the first place you'll get to when you come into rejection station is pain, pain, rejection hurts, you experience pain because of rejection. And I want to spend a little time at this point because it's the pain that keeps you stuck at rejection station. It's the pain that makes you get comfortable at rejection station. It's the pain that makes you take all your bags and unpack them and create a home in this place that's supposed to be a a, a stepping stone. It's the pain that that makes you live at rejection station. And in order to to fully grasp and properly understand rejection and to place it in in perspective, you have to understand how rejection works on us. Guy Winch, who is a, a, a... licensed psychologist, he's a, an author, a keynote speaker, wrote several books, Emotional First Aid, Healing, Rejection, Guilt, fa- Failure and Other Everyday Hurts, How to Fix a Broken Heart, The Squeaky Wheel, Complaining the Right Way to Get Results, Improve Your Relationships and enhance Self-Esteem. Guy, he, he, he wrote a, a, an article in Psychology Today, about some surprising facts about rejection. Number one was that rejection piggybacks on physical pain pathways in the brain. It piggybacks on the physical pain pathways in the brain. FMRI studies show that the same areas of the brain become activated when we experience rejection as when we experience physical pain. This is why rejection literally hurts so much. In fact, our brains respond the same way to rejection and physical pain, so much so that if you take Tylenol when you experience rejection, it will actually lessen the pain that you feel from that rejection. It will lessen the effects. Studies have shown that if they take Tylenol before they recall a painful experience, the people who received the Tylenol reported significantly less emotional pain than subjects who took a sugar pill. So pain and rejection are linked physically as well as emotionally and mentally. And the reason is because rejection served a vital function in our evolutionary past. You see, when ages ago when we were in our, 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 our hunter and gatherer past, being ostracized from the tribe was akin to a death sentence. Because if you're away from the tribe, it meant you were unlikely to survive by yourself in the wild on your own. You couldn't survive for long alone. So evolutionary psychologists assume that the brain developed an early warning system to alert us when we're at risk for being ostracized, when we're at risk for being rejection, right? It's so important to get our attention. Those who experience rejection felt it as, as a painful experience so that they wouldn't do it again. It was that they, they gained an evolutionary advantage. They were more likely to correct their behavior and consequently more likely to remain in the tribe. This goes way back. That's why when when you feel rejection you it's, it's almost like when you put your hand on a hot stove right you put your hand on a hot stove and you get burned and you know okay i'm not going to do that again it was the same evolutionary effect whatever it was that, that thing that was causing you to feel the pain of rejection you needed not do that again otherwise they were going to kick you out, and you wouldn't survive. In order to survive, we had to evolve in such a way that rejection aided us by causing pain. Also, we can relive and re-experience social pain more vividly than physical pain. I want you to try recalling an experience that you felt significant physical pain. Do it right now, think of a time when you got hurt. Your brain pathways will respond, "Uh, okay, all right, next. In other words, thinking of physical pain won't elicit physical pain. I can laugh even about a time when my, my brother freshly sharpened a pencil and told me to sit down on it. And I, I sat down on it, and the point was so sharp that it had to be removed at the hospital. In fact, huh, I, just, I didn't feel the pain, but I definitely shivered just now. But I, broke, I almost broke my leg a few weeks ago playing basketball, right? And uh, I probably shouldn't have been playing basketball. My wife told me not to on FaceTime uh, minutes before, uh, my children called her in alarm and said daddy 's about to play basketball again, and I told her I would be all right and she told me that she 's not taking any trips to the e r or the urgent care and I said, Got it, no matter what we 're not going to the hospital noted and I was, I was trying to play, and I, I, I almost broke my leg when my 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 knee hyperextended backwards and it was the grace of God that uh, my, my jeans that I was playing in were, were so tight that they acted like a brace to keep my, my knee from, just, from, from breaking backwards. So uh, sometimes you just got to thank God for the, the, the tight jeans because had, it not, had I been wearing shorts I'm sure I would have made it to the ER that day. You know they, 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 they do say that God protects fools and babies, right? I think that's in the book somewhere. I don't know where it is, I'll look for it afterwards. I think it's in there. But trying to relive a a painful experience doesn't elicit physical pain. I can laugh about it, but try and relive a painful rejection. And you'll be flooded with many of the same feelings that you felt at that moment. Your brain will respond much as it did at that time, as well. Our brains prioritize rejection experience because we are social animals who live in tribes. This leads us to an aspect about rejection that we often overlook, that we all have a a fundamental need to belong in a group. We need to belong. Rejection destabilizes our need to belong. As humans, we look for groups, we look for friends, we form relationships. That's who we are, that's what we do. But when we experience rejection, this need, this innate need that we have, becomes destabilized. And the disconnection that we feel adds to our emotional pain. So this is why people leave churches, right? When their ideas get rejected. Or they get overlooked. Or they don't get included in an activity. Or their input isn't sought after. It's because this is how rejection affects us. We, we experience that pain of rejection. Oh, they, they, they didn't include me. My, my, my ministry idea did didn't get accepted. Plus, we shy away from our emotional connection to the group. So, so now we begin to, to, dis, to distance ourselves from people, right? But then when we do that, we feel deeper emotional pain because we no longer have the connections. So we feel the initial rejection which causes pain, but then we feel the disconnection because we we move away, which causes pain. And we add it all together in our minds as one experience. So it could have been just the rejection now becomes the rejection and the sense of disconnection all added to that rejection experience. It puts us deeper in a hole, and when we do that, we find ourselves in a, in a permanent spot, sitting in a bench at Rejection Station. Reconnecting with those who you love or reaching out to members of groups to which we feel strong affinity and who value and accept us has been found to soothe emotional pain after a rejection. So instead of of distancing ourselves, we we need to come closer to soothe that pain. A lot of times, we we deal with the rejection alone. So many people are sitting at rejection station by themselves. You can't bring anybody with you there. It's, it's It's a lonely journey. People don't understand how you feel. And feeling alone and disconnected after a rejection has another overlooked impact on our behavior. Rejection creates surges of anger and aggression. Rejection can connect surges of anger and aggression. In 2001, The Surgeon General of the United States issued a report stating that rejection was a greater risk for adolescent violence than drugs, poverty, or gang membership. Rejection was a greater risk for adolescent violence than drugs, poverty, or gang membership. You remember Columbine, right? Countless studies have demonstrated that even mild rejections lead to people taking out their aggression on innocent bystanders. School shootings, violence against women, fired workers going postal, that's rejection. There's a strong link between rejection and aggression. And now knowing the link between rejection and anger and aggression, we can look around and, and see Cain in rejection station. The Bible says that Adam and Eve bore Cain and Abel. It says that in Genesis that Abel Genesis chapter four that Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. He rejected Cain's offering. And the Bible says, And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with his brother Abel, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Because God rejected Cain's offering, his response was anger and aggression. It was so severe that he killed his brother. I saw a news story just a few weeks ago about a young man in in Miami who was walking down the street. and He saw a group of women sitting at a table. And he tried to talk to them and get a phone number. And they rejected him. And they laughed in his face. And he walked to his car and he got a gun, and he came back, and he shot up the whole table. They wouldn't give him their phone numbers, so his response was to go and grab a gun and shoot up the police. It doesn't make sense until you understand that for many people, surges of anger and aggression and violent behavior are their psychological response to rejection. A wife wants to leave her husband, so he kills her. A boyfriend and girlfriend, they break up, so the the ex-boyfriend comes back and he he kills her new boyfriend because of rejection. There's stories of people who've killed the, the whole family because of rejection. These are things that are happening Today, where we live, getting stuck in rejection station isn 't some just, just just some imaginary place it 's in some of our homes it 's on our blocks it 's in our schools it 's in our churches it 's in our nation. That person that we voted for doesn't get elected he gets rejected by the majority, and so we storm the capitol. This is what happens when we get stuck in rejection station. And much of that aggression is is turned inward. A point that was made was that rejection sends us on a mission to seek and destroy our self-esteem. We often respond to romantic rejections by finding fault in ourselves, right? We look at all our inadequacies. We kick ourselves when we're already down. We, we smack up our self-esteem and, and beat it to a pulp. Most romantic rejections are just a matter of poor fit and a lack of chemistry and incompatible lifestyles, wanting different things at different times, or, or things just such as mutual dynamics. When she says she's too tired to make love, or he says that he's exhausted, it's not a personal attack. It's not a rejection. They're not saying that they don't want you, they're saying that after a full day of work, after, after dealing with kids all day who are home during a pandemic, after making sure the house is clean and, and, and preparing the meals and preparing for the next day, they're actually just too tired to even think about anything else. And, and and trust me, brothers, I, I know I might have lost some of y'all at that point, but you know, I'm, I'm 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 preaching to myself too. Duly noted. But these are the things that take place in, in rejection station. We we feel like it's 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 us. She's tired, he's tired, but it, it's 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 me. I'm too tired to play with my children, but they they take that as daddy doesn't want to spend time with me. This is how we internalize rejection. I'm not good enough for his time. I'm not good enough. We we blame ourselves and we attack our self-worth. That only deepens the emotional pain that we feel and makes it harder for us to recover emotionally. See, the, the longer you spend in rejection station, the harder sometimes it is to get out. You, 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 you don't just stand there by the door, but you, you go deeper and deeper inside. But before you blame yourself or you rush to blame yourself, you have to remember that there's another surprising fact about rejection. Rejection temporarily lowers your IQ. Being asked to recall a recent rejection experience and relive the experience was enough to cause people to score significantly lower on subsequent IQ tests, tests of short-term memory, and tests of decision making. It's, it's, It's not easy to just think clearly when you're dealing with rejection. That's why we don't always make the best decisions when we've been rejected. We might turn to the wrong things when we've been rejected. We may not view the experience for what it actually is because we're feeling rejection. And and rejection doesn't respond to reason. Participants were put through an experiment where they were rejected by strangers And and they didn't know that the strangers were a part of the experiment. And even after the experiment was over and they were told that these strangers were a part of this experiment, they still felt a type of way towards the strangers because they had been rejected. They couldn't separate the rejection from the fact that it wasn't real. It had already taken seed inside them. it already taken root inside them. That's why it's difficult to, to just get over it. Even an apology from someone who's rejected us doesn't ease the pain at all. Hearing I'm sorry doesn't get you out of rejection station, but we'll go around from track to track to track saying, I want you to say I'm sorry, thinking that'll get us out. And it doesn't get us out. It just sends us to the next track saying, I want you to to get me out. I want to hear you apologize, and it doesn't change. And I go to the next track. I want you to, to admit what you did, and it doesn't move us out of rejection station. Pain will have you stuck in rejection station, but putting things in proper perspective moves you out of rejection station to the next destination and if you go to any train station you'll know that you can't just jump on the train right I did that once I jumped on the train and I realized that I didn't have any cash I didn't have any money and the guy came around and he had the attendant and he was looking for my ticket and I didn't have it This time, I was able to to charm my way, and he let me go, right? But you can't get on a train if you don't have the ticket, if you don't have the fare. A fare on any train has to be paid in order to get to the next destination. And that brings me to my next point. First, you have the pain. Rejection causes pain. Then you have the price. Rejection will always cost you something. Joseph was a traveler who passed through Rejection Station. And like all travelers, he had to pay a fare. There's always a price to pay. Jacob, Joseph's father, gave him a coat of many colors. It it was unique. It was beautiful. It was expensive. It caused his brothers to be jealous of him and reject him. It was the first thing they took when they decided they wanted to kill him. They they subsequently sold him into slavery, but that's what they took from him. This thing that for Joseph was a symbol of his identity. It was the most valuable thing that he had. It was a gift from his father. He cherished it. It identified him. Rejection will always cause you, cost you something that you identify with, that identifies you. It might be an idea that you worked on. It might be a relationship that you were a part of. It, you might have been rejected by a parent and you no longer feel like a, a son. You no longer feel like a daughter. you might have experienced a divorce and Overnight, your marital status changes and you're no longer a husband, you're no longer a wife. That thing that defines you, rejection costs you something. It costs you a part of your identity. That thing that identified you gets stripped away by rejection. The school you saw yourself attending all your life denies your application. It has an effect on how you see yourself. You thought that the project that you worked on at your job, and you you put time and, and energy and effort into it, you thought that it would gain you recognition, but your superior scrapped it for a different idea and they say we decided to go in a different direction. And that thing that you thought would be your defining project would create your defining moment all of a sudden, it disappears and you're at rejection station. It changes the way that you see yourself. It's a, it's a hit to your ego, your identity. You work hard for a promotion on your job. You probably thought that you had it guaranteed. I've been, I've been dedicated. I've been committed. No one is better fit for this. They told me just apply. You'll probably get it. But then they hire someone else from outside instead. And the plan that you had for advancement goes out the window. And it changes the way you see yourself. You question your worth. Rejection always comes with a cost. My father was sharing with me about how he was kicked out of his house. as a a teenager for attending church, the New Church of God church that had been recently established in Guyana. And I reminded him that he didn't get kicked out. But God pushed him out because attending that church changed the trajectory of his life. It cost him something at first. It cost him his, his, his comfort. It cost him the relationship. That he had with his mother. It cost him his his, uh, roof over his head. It cost him his identity, but it gave him a new identity. You have to remember when you're at Rejection Station that Rejection Station is not the final destination. There will always be, it it will always be easier to realize that the cost isn't something that's lost. It's just the fare that you pay to get on the train. It's a cost, but it's not something that you have to look at as a loss. It's not something that you have to see. I I lost my identity. People go through identity crisis because of rejection. But sometimes it's, it's not just the loss, but it's the cost that you pay to get on the train. Because in order to take your Seat on a train, once you pay your fare, you have to pivot. Rejection can make you pivot your expectations of yourself. You might lose an idea of who you thought you were, but you gain, once you pivot, a a new sense of identity. The Bible says the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. In order to take your seat on the train and leave Rejection Station, you have to do something. Something inside of you has to change for the better. And if you don't change, then you stay at Rejection Station. And if you refuse to move and decide to stay and lick your wounds, then you create a home at Rejection Station. But you have to become, it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become Become means you have to begin to be. You have to begin to be something. Walt Disney said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Walt Disney was fired from one of his first animation jobs at the Kansas City Star in 1919 because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. And that was the reason he was fired by his editor. Things didn't get smoother for him after that. Disney started an animation studio, Laugh-O-Graham Studios, and it went into bankruptcy before even any of his cartoons were released. And after that, he, he never gave up his dream, but he moved to California and Hollywood. And his brother, he and his brother formed Disney Brothers Studio, which later became known as the Walt Disney Company and became one of the most best-known motion picture production companies in the world. They said he lacked creativity, he lacked imagination. Imagine if he had stayed on that job at the newspaper. Imagine if, if, if he was accepted, if he didn't get rejected. If he made great animations for the paper and he moved up in the ranks through the paper, imagine what wouldn't have happened. Imagine if, 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 he, if he wouldn't have started Walt Disney Studios. Rejection is a sign of direction. When God closes the door, he changes your direction, literally. When you're going through a door and the door closes in front of you, then you have to go another way. God opens doors, but he also closes doors as well. He just doesn't show up in comfort, but he shows up in crisis. Bishop said to me one time, he once said that sometimes The best place to be is out of options because it forces you to create. It forces you to pivot. It forces you to think outside the box. It forces you to move in a direction that you wouldn't have gone otherwise. Jack Ma once mentioned that he was the man very familiar with rejections. If you ever want to give up, you remember Jack Ma. He applied 10 times for Harvard and got rejected. He applied 10 times for Harvard and got rejected. I don't know anybody who applies 10 times for one school. I would think that if you get rejected the first time, then they see your name and it goes straight into the rejection box. But he applied 10 times. He applied for 30 jobs in his hometown. Got rejected from everyone. He applied for a job at KFC with 23 other people. All of those people got accepted and got hired, and he got rejected. The same time he tried to get on the police force, four out of the five applicants got hired, except for him. He and his cousin once studied hours for an interview to become a waiter in a four-star hotel. They took a test, and despite his cousin getting the lowest score, his cousin got hired, but he got rejected. It's not easy to deal with those setbacks. Many of us just choose the easy way out instead of being persistent and pursuing our true callings, but Jack Ma is now the richest man in China. He founded founded Alibaba in 19... 95, which is now the largest e-commerce platform. He learned from rejection that you must believe in yourself even if other people think that you're stupid, even if people think that your ideas are stupid. And there becomes pain in the pivot. Getting rejected and, and, and going in a different direction, and pivoting is a painful experience. And becoming is never an easy task. Becoming always takes work, becoming takes surrender, becoming takes reliance on God's plan. Overcoming rejection is never easy, but when you look back, it'll always be worth the pain if you overcome. It's always worth the anguish, it's always worth the discomfort that comes with taking your reliance off yourself and placing it on God. Rejection sends you to your next destination. When you overcome and you look back, you'll realize that your experience, as painful as it was, was always worth it. And that takes you sitting on the train, you paid your fare, you paid the costs that come with rejection. You've pivoted and taken your seat. And now you begin to move to the next step, the prize. Rejection can set you up for the prize. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. See, the price that you pay is only a part of the fair. It's only a part of the fair. It's only a portion. You pay your portion. It may seem like everything to you. It might seem like all you have, it it, it costs you your identity. You paid your price. You pay your portion, but Jesus paid it all. There's no way that you can go from a rejected stone to a chief cornerstone on your own. See every train has a conductor and God is the one conducting every piece of your journey. Like the conductor of an orchestra masterfully giving guidance to each musician, playing different instruments to form a beautiful symphony. The same way he's doing that so is he weaving every moment of rejection, every moment of failure, every feeling of inadequacy, all the confusion, all the broken relationships, all the hurt, all the opportunities that you thought you lost, all the promotions that passed you by, all the doors that he closed, all the pain. He's weaving all of it together to form a beautiful outcome that you wouldn't have been able to create for yourself. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The Bible says in Romans eight twenty-eight that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And today I need you to know that regardless of what you've experienced in your life, Regardless of how long you've lived and stayed in Rejection Station, I need you to know that God is taking you to your final destination, and I need you to know today that that was the Lord's doing. The pain was the Lord's doing. The rejection was the Lord's doing. The anguish was the Lord's doing. The the pivoting was the Lord's doing, the the doors that closed, it was all the Lord's doing. How he brought you out of rejection station, put you on a path to your final destination to make you the chief cornerstone, to do something wonderful with your life, to create fruit that remains. This was all the Lord's doing.